It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 423 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Kiwi Commission Cleared. It is August 11, 2023, and this is Jen. We're going to start with a tweet from Florian Muller on, I guess it's called X now, and this will tie into the title. So he wrote this on August 7th. So uh, here's a little bit of this. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read. He has like a whole huge text here, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it. He included the New Zealand's press release, okay? So here's the press release or part of it. While Activision games, in particular Call of Duty, are popular with New Zealand gamers, our enquiries did not find that they are likely to be must-have in order to compete with Microsoft in New Zealand. He says the full text of the decision dated August 7th and announced on August 8th by New Zealand time will be published some other time. We will then see whether the EC commitment was considered or whether there was, as the press release suggests, simply no concern in the first place that would have required remedies. Given that no U.S. merger was prohibited after it closed following the denial of a preliminary injunction, Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard King has now been cleared in 42 countries with more than 2.8 billion inhabitants and an aggregate GDP of $68.4 trillion, more than two-thirds of the global economy. Here's an alphabetical list with flags of the 42 countries, 30 of which are members of the European Economic Area, for which the European Commission reviewed the merger, in which the deal has been cleared. So here's your list. Ready? This is alphabetical. These are the countries that accepted the Microsoft Activision merger. Austria, Belgium, Brazil, Bulgaria, Chile, China, Croatia, Cyprus, Czech Republic, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Iceland, Ireland, Italy, Japan, Latva, Liechtenstein, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Malta, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Saudi Arabia, Serbia, Slovakia, Slovenia, South Africa, South Korea, Spain, Sweden, Turkey, Ukraine, and the United States of America. That's a whole lot of countries that, you know, decided this was a good thing. And I'm rather impressed that so many of them got together and went, yeah, let's do this. That sounds good. It's really cool. I've also got this little tiny thing from the Commerce Commission of New Zealand, and it simply says this, case register, Microsoft Corporation, uh, semicolon, Activision Blizzard, Inc. The commission has granted clearance for Microsoft to acquire 100% of the common stock of Activision Blizzard as part of a global transaction. And there is um, some details in here, but there's not a whole lot more than that. So basically, New Zealand's obviously on board with this whole series of things. And I think that's going to make things even better, make this merger go through, which is something obviously Microsoft and Activision both wanted. I've heard different things or actually read different things online about whether or not this is good for gamers, but this is where we're at as far as can this merger go through at this point in time. Speaking of Microsoft, um, Xbox has a Game Pass. They recently changed it into something a little bit different than what it was before. 
And there's an article here on IGN titled Game Pass $1 off offer. $1 offer now only for 14 days instead of one month. The trial period just got shorter. Microsoft recently changed its $1 Game Pass offer to last for 14 days instead of one month. This is written by George Yang, by the way. The change comes ahead of the launch of Bethesda's Starfield, which releases day and date on Game Pass at the beginning of September. According to Xbox's official Game Pass website, the terms for both Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and PC Game Pass now say new customers can try out the service for 14 days at $1 and then pay the full monthly price afterward. Xbox Game Pass for console doesn't have a $1 trial period and only offers an $11 monthly subscription. And earlier this year, Microsoft confirmed it would put an end to the monthly $1 Xbox Game Pass Ultimate trial offer, but but after raising the price of the subscription, the $1 trial returned. And that's pretty much all you need to know with that one. The Diablo podcast has released episode 37 yesterday on August 10, and the cover art for this one says it is their anniversary edition. They're talking about patch 1.1.1 in Diablo 4, and it's always exciting when a Diablo podcast has an anniversary, because some of these podcasts are there and gone, and you never hear from them again. They've run out of topics, or somebody moved, or somebody's computer broke, or whatever. But these guys have had a whole year of their Diablo podcast, and that's exciting, so you should go listen to it if you're interested in this sort of thing. I always get really happy when Diablo podcasts are, you know, they're, they're having success enough to have a full year, and that's fantastic. Everything I talk about in this episode will be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com. Surprisingly, there is some things happening with Diablo 3, and I'm pretty excited about it, honestly, because I love Diablo 3. So this is the patch notes. It is for the PT so this is from uh, it's on the blizzard news account and it says diablo 3 ptr 2.7.6 preview it is a public test realm obviously many of you have probably done the uh, ptrs i tend to skip them done them a couple times and honestly don't really know what i'm doing when i'm in there so i'll just wait for it to roll out so this is part of what is written on this particular blizzard page huzzah nephilim <laughs> huzzah <laughs> We welcome you to the Diablo 3 patch 2.7.6 PTR from August 15 to August 29. We'll need your help in testing the new solo self-found mode. Hell yeah. I always play solo. I prefer it because I do record my gameplay. So I don't want to have other people like, you know, try to group up with me and be like, well, I didn't know you were recording. So I just do it myself. I've always done solo self-found for a very long time with the exception of in the very early days of Diablo 3 when my husband and I played together and I wasn't recording any of that. I've taken screenshots. I have so many screenshots. I'll probably dump them. But anyway, yeah, new solo self-found mode is like official now. I think that's awesome. Uh, Visions of Enmity seasonal theme paragon ceiling feature class balance updates and more so here's some stuff ptr focus and details we will be conducting the patch 2.7.6 ptr starting thursday october 15 during this time there may be periodic maintenances out 
outages, hot fixes, or minor patches. Solar, solo self-found. This is a new single-player mode with unique leaderboards where you can create a character and play the latest seasonal content. A hardcore version of this mode is available as well. We heavily recommend players experience the PTR in this mode if they are seeking a more challenging experience. Read on for more information about solo self-found. New season theme testing. We're looking to gather feedback on the visions of Emnity seasonal theme. Class balance. To ensure that the most significant class changes receive an ample amount of attention, we'd love for you to focus testing and feedback on the balance changes to the Crusader, Demon Hunter, and Witch Doctor class. PTR unique buffs will be active to help you on your journey, increased experience gains, and double blood shard drops. You can also buy new gear for testing from the special PTR vendor, uh, Jank Meme. It's D-J-A-N-K-M-I-apostrophe-E-M. It's a giant Kazra, if you haven't been in there, who will exchange blood shards for class-specific bags full of legendary items that we'd love for you to test. And then you can put, like, feedback in. Uh, PTR testing tips. I think most people know this, but if you don't, I mean, I think a lot of people have been playing Diablo 4 for a bit, maybe forgot. So, PTR testing tips. With our previous PTRs, this testing period is short, so it's best to hit the ground running. Whether you're a PTR veteran or newcomer, we thought we'd pass along a few tips to get you started. Because of the limited duration of this PTR, we ask that participants pick a particular portion of this update to focus on testing. For example, if you're primarily a Witch Doctor player, consider what changes impact the witch doctor specifically, what you like best, what you think may still need adjustment, and what you'd want to see in the future even if that may be beyond the scope of this patch. All are good questions to ask yourself before submitting feedback. Try to break things. Just tell us when you do so we can make sure that the patch's launch is as smooth as possible. When providing feedback, focus less on a solution and more on your experience. How did the changes make you feel? Doesn't this feel like part of like the Princess Bride where they've got Wesley and some kind of horrible thing and someone's draining his life. How did that make you feel? Um, did something seem incorrect or insufficient? Suggestions are always welcome, but identifying the issues themselves is most important. Here's the solo self-found stuff, which I'm really excited about. Demon Slayers seeking to up the intensity of their journey through Sanctuary can try out the new solo self-found mode. In this mode, you have only yourself to rely on to overcome the hordes from hell. That's right, it's a single-player experience. If you'd like to up the ante even more, a hardcore version of this mode is available. We decided to bring Solo Self-Found to Diablo 3 after years of players requesting an officially supported single-player mode without the experience bonus from being in a party or other players to protect your back as you carve through demonic legions. This mode will temper you. To celebrate the accomplishments of those brave enough to roll a character in this mode, we have also created specific leaderboards for solo self-found, these leaderboards function like those for other modes. To create a character in solo self-found, select the solo hero option in the character creation screen. You'll still be able to play the campaign and adventure mode just as you would in other modes, but only the private game option will be available to use. Challenge rifts can be completed with the party while the mode is in, is seasonal. Solo self-found is a solitary journey, so you will be unable to start this mode while in a party or access multiplayer aspects of Diablo 3, such as trading. Rebirthing is also available for solo self-found. The Season 29 Visions of Enmity if that's how you say the word, 
Uh, theme and other components of patch 2.7.6 were designed with solo self found in mind. Thank you, Blizzard. We urge you to test it out and give us feedback about your experience. And here's what you can find in the new season. The nefarious machinations of the burning hells have permeated every corner of sanctuary, warping reality in the progress. This disturbance has given way to visions of enmity, pocket dimensions that are accessed by stepping through diabolical fissures. Nephilim, level one or higher, have a chance at encountering a diabolical fissure by slaying demons in the open world. Should your smiting of Hellspawn trigger a fissure, press onward and into a vision of enmity. What horrors await on the other side are unknown, but these instances are rich in rewards. The visions are quite unstable and have the potential to produce additional fissures after enemies are dispatched inside. Keep an eye out for these opportunities to maximize your chance of earning useful gear. There's also new monster Aphexes, Enevorating, uh, Enevorating, okay, creates an area of effect around the monster that reduces the player's movement speed by 65% and cooldown reduction by 50% if the player is in the vicinity of the monster. Necrotic. The player's healing is reduced by 65%. Monsters have a damage over time effect that deals 180% of the player's max health over 30 seconds. This effect is removed if the player is healed above 95%. Resource Leech. Hitting a player removes 65% of their maximum resource. I wonder if that's, um, is this for, like... Hardcore, maybe? I don't know. There's also going to be a Paragon ceiling. I mean, typically you could like Paragon your way forever. So this is what they're doing now. We are introducing changes to Paragon points to work in tandem with Solo Self Found and the Season 29 theme. You can only assign a total of 800 Paragon points to your character. Previously, you were able to assign a total of 50 Paragon points to each attribute within the core, defense, offense, and utility categories. But now you can assign up to 200 in each attribute. Each category can only have 200 Paragon points placed into them. So that's pretty cool. There's a developer's note here. We understand that Paragon was king in terms of character power. With the change this season, we wanted to shift that power from main stat grinding to gameplay knowledge and gear hunting. We chose 800 as our initial starting point and would appreciate your feedback on this cap. There are a few changes within the Paragon system to keep in mind. Movement speed. We changed movement speed from 0.125% per point because the old value would have provided players with 100% movement speed, which was too much. Players now have the option to place points into this stat, allowing them to surpass 25% movement speed from item bonuses. And area damage should perform the same, if not a bit better, and with substantial improvements to performance. And then there's some community-led changes in here that have been done, and I'll leave you to read those for yourself. There's some class balance changes with the crusader the demon hunter the witch doctor and that's about it so before i go into a bunch of diablo 4 stuff i want to announce that i have the i've purchased the anarius chair from secret lab it is super comfy i love it it's got all of this great embroidery and stuff on it and it wasn't incredibly difficult to put together unlike some other chairs we've had maybe uh, it took a little bit of figuring out, but they do give you this lovely picture of Anarius and Lilith and all of the... You've probably seen this image somewhere on a Diablo 4 site um, or even the Blizzard Diablo 4 stuff where it looks like they're like the creation, you know, comes from them and there's like people in front of them, things like that, either going towards the angels or the demons. They give you that and on the back of it is an entire 
like layout of first do this here's the part you need this is what it looks like now do that one and it's amazing but like the front of it is just such a neat piece of art i'm gonna end up hanging it up at some point really excited about this and it's comfy it's wonderful it's it just feels right it feels good you can like modulate the height I mean, I'm tiny, so it's like at the lowest level. And there's like a little pillow thing that magnetically connects to the chair. And it's just, it's really nice and I'm super excited about it. So I decided I'd, I'd talk about that for a little bit. I did put up a little screenshot of the box it came in on social media. So yeah, I've got like a really good chair that's comfy that I'm enjoying. And I think it'll last for a really long time because I don't weigh a lot anyway. I can't possibly break this thing now. And it's very sturdy and has really good quality materials. So if you, um, if you're one of the other people that got one, huzzah, I guess, to quote the Diablo 3 thing there. But yeah, it's really good. It was supposed to come in September and it arrived just a little while ago. So um, that was overshooting my impression of when it would come. And we've, we actually got it and put it together and I'm super happy. A little bit more about um, Diablo 3. Pez Radar, who is Adam Fletcher, who is the global community developer, development director for all things Diablo at Blizzard, talked. To, he posted about the public test realm and then also said, we know the community enjoyed the season 28 mechanic, but did want to note that the Altar of Rights from season 28 will return permanently beginning in season 30 after this season, because I think this one is... Um, I don't know which number this is, but after this season, they're going to put that altar back so you can mess with that again. And I think that's cool. In Diablo Immortal News, Blizzard posted this on August 7th. Fight to the end in the wild brawl. And it's got a couple of different uh, class characters here. Well-met adventurer. Since our last reconnaissance, players have adorned themselves in Shumble's furs, basked in the hungering moon, and parsed through the wares of Yakin's shady stock. This content update introduces our new limited time wild brawl, PvP event, returning events, and several feature updates. Um, so let's see about this. It looks like, as with previous content updates, there will be server maintenance starting on August 8, which we've passed from uh, whatever time in different time zones. August 9 for a servers in the America, we've passed that as well. After the maintenance has concluded, all items mentioned below will be live. Specific dates for any content going live afterward are provided below. So the Wild Brawl is this. Enlist your most trusted companions and outlast enemy teams in the Wild Brawl event. In this unique limited time PvP event from August 8 through August 23, so you still have time, players start at level 1 and work together in teams of 6 to explore an expansive map and endure to become the last surviving team. Equip discovered gear, gain experience to strengthen your power and slay everything in sight to win the battle. This arena-style game mode ends when one team has survived all others to make their eternal mark on Sanctuary. So this is definitely the PvP some people really, really wanted. Your team will face off against up to four enemy teams in a winner-takes-all match. As the battle rages on, lethal darkness encroaches on the dark wood, forcing all players to fight on unstable footing until the final team emerges victorious. If every member of your party falls prey to the hunt, your claim for glory is over. So how you do this since it is still live, you can initiate the brawl by talking with uh, Rotier, R-O-A-T-E-R, the Wild Brawl Emissary. Find him in the northeast of Westmarch at the Immortal Overlook Waypoint. 
Rotor, Rotier, Roatier, I don't know how to pronounce this name, will provide you the option to review the rules of engagement for the wild brawl or for those already hungering for the glory of battle, the option to continue straight to straight to the wild brawl event. You can teleport around in there, apparently. Uh, once a match has been secured, players will decide on which area bodes best for their hunt. Players can see their allies' selected teleport spot to make tactical decisions as to where to enter the Dark Brawl. And then you have to survive it, and there's like legendary gear that drops and things like that. You start at level 1, kill increasingly formidable hell spawn and enemy players to increase your player rank and the power of your equipped gear and gems. As the wild hunt rages on, keep a keen eye out for chests that contain increasingly powerful items and shrines with temporary boons scattered in the deepest reaches of the forest. It goes on from there, and there's like a leaderboard and everything like that. So if that's your thing, get into it now if you haven't heard of it before, because I think it would probably be really fun for people that enjoy PvP. It's not my thing, but it might be somebody else's thing, so I wanted to to talk about it here. Wowhead has an article posted yesterday titled Many Players Left Off Hardcore Statue List Disqualified Due to Prior Discipline, Blizzard Confirms. So we're talking about this, the Lilith statue that's in Anaheim in front of the offices that a lot of people that did, they were the first like 1,000 players to uh, play hardcore in Diablo 4 and then get their names etched on the bottom of the statue somewhere. Probably their gamer name, I would assume. Okay, so there was a tweet on August 10 by DJ Montague and he was responding to something He and he's talking to Pez Radar. I'm so confused. It doesn't even state what I did at a time where I wasn't playing Diablo Immortal at all. Could this really be the reason? I think it sounds like he was like, like they had their whatever cost refunded or something like that. And Adam Fletcher said, Hey DJ, thanks for reaching out and via out via email on this after I requested. Happy to say that your account is in good standing now and you will be on the statue. And this was for, um, let me look at this. Editor's note, since the time of this article's publication, DJ Montague mentioned in the previously embedded tweet and has, recti uh, has, has since rectified a situation in which their account was seemingly erroneously marked as not in good standing. Adam Fletcher has clarified this player will now be memorialized on the Lilith statue as one of the first 1,000 players. So that's good. The final list of hardcore heroes was recently released. There is a link in this Wowhead article here if you want to see all of those things. This one was uh, posted by Jez Artros, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, for those players who were, who were the first to reach level 100 in hardcore forever to be immortalized on a statue of Lilith. However, some players have still claimed they were left off, and it turns out this was on purpose. Global Community Development Director Adam Fletcher has reached out to several players who have been vocal on Twitter and the forums, claiming they should have been on the final list even after Blizzard reviewed and revised it. In every situation so far, it seems that these players were intentionally left off due to disqualification. Having been disciplined and actioned in some cases permanently banned on other Diablo titles, thus leaving them ineligible for this contest. And then there is an editor's note here. Uh, this space formerly occupied a tweet from Adam Fletcher directed to DJ Montague. As the situation has been resolved, Fletcher has deleted his initial tweet. Yeah, but here's a, a thing from Blizzard. Our update list is correct. Yes, you were left off intentionally. Your account was disciplined and actioned in another Diablo title, thus disqualifying you per our content rules. It seems that Blizzard truly tried to, their, to do their due 
diligence in this second review of the list. I can see why a company who is aware of someone that's done stuff they weren't supposed to do in any Diablo game, I can see why they'd be like, well, that person hit 100, but we already know they've done this and that, or we already banned this player or, or something. And they, they did, in fact, try to correct it if they got the wrong guy, because it looks like DJ Montague was actually qualified to be on there. Um, the interesting thing is um, it looks like... There's like a little thing here and it looks like people that have played Diablo 4 and got on there but were not allowed to be immortalized on the statue, they had their stuff refunded, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> it's a little weird, but just be careful out there, people. Just be careful. There is one more short story. This one's called Teeth of the Plague. It's written by Z, letter Z, Brewer. It is the last of the stories that were going out about Diablo 4 stuff. Um, you can just read it online. And um, yeah, this one is, let's see, Teeth of the Plague by Z, Brewer. Tahal, who is the uh, person you see if you use the in-game shop with all the cards and stuff, I think that's right, tells the tale of a holdfast infested with plague-carrying rats and Kirik, the man tasked with removing them. In his years of dealing with the vermin, Kirik has done many foul and unspeakable de deeds, but it seems the end is in sight. That is, until he stumbles upon a creature lurking in the dark, a creature said to have the soul of a thousand vermin, seeking the blood of its betrayer. And there's a link in this article that you can click on to read the whole story. This is the last of these stories. It's all you're going to get. So I think the rest are probably up somewhere. I think I've collected most of them. Some of them I've read, some of them I forgot about, but I still have them. And if you're into like just stories about Diablo 4 from Blizzard, this would be a good one to grab as well. Over on r slash Diablo 4, we have a thing here by someone called I Don't Actually Know, K-N-O. And he wrote, he or she wrote this. Why do I have to learn about silent bug fixes through Reddit? So, I've just learned that aspect of bursting venoms was A. Bugged, apparently known about, not mentioned by the devs on official channels, B. Fixed, not mentioned by the devs in the patch notes or anywhere else. Now that I've googled it, players were discussing this potential bug in on the f official boards in early June. June is in all caps for some reason. Now that we're three weeks into a season in August, Blizzard has decided to make it essentially unusable when rogue players have sunk gold and time into building around what we thought was a working as intended aspect. I'm not mad that they fixed a bug. If it wasn't working properly, then sure. But to do it with no communication is so stupid. It's really a broken record question at this point, but how much more shitty communication can people actually handle? Ed I love that I'm getting flamed for wanting the devs to communicate. Good old Reddit. It's okay, Blizzard Chills. I've just relaunched PoE, D4's father. And Pez Radar responded. He wrote this. Wanted to chime in on the aspect of bursting venoms, as this was reported by the community yesterday, and the team was investigating this into the early evening last night. We have amended the patch notes this morning to include what occurred here. Here's a piece. Fixed imbues as part of ongoing improvements to game performance. Imbues were refactored. This includes a change which fixed several edge cases where the imbuement would fail to end properly and was incorrectly allowing non-imbued skill casts casts to trigger certain legendary effects. 
He continues, this was indeed a bug with rogues that was fixed in this patch, but it did lead to a nerf to this specific skill. It wasn't actually, it actually wasn't planned for 1.1.1 and was for a patch later on. This, of course, is leaving a pretty not great feeling for rogue players who were relying on this, and we should have given a better heads up regarding this and highlighted it into the notes. That we will get better at this. This one slipped under quite a lot of changes in 1.1.1, so I'm hoping... We are a bit better buttoned up as we char change up internal flags on making sure these can be highlighted into patch notes when we start compiling these with our production teams. And some people are pretty happy about that. So there's that. Wowhead has an article written by Therid titled Mount Improvements Quote Soon and Quote Charge Breaks Barricades Cooled Comma Cooldown Resets. And there's a picture here of somebody on a mount running through a small wall of the skeleton things that skeletons put up. So here we are on Twitter. Diablo 4 game director Joe Shelley has confirmed that mount charge will break through barricades after a future update. The development team has already touched on the subjects of mount movement and utility during their recent campfire chat, which mainly revolved around patch point 1.1.1. Referring to the mount discussion during their live stream on July 28, Joe Shelley clarified that mounts will be able to break through barricades after an update, which will be coming in the future. And here is his tweet or whatever X is calling them now. We're going to allow the mount charge to break through barricades. I realized I didn't state this explicitly during the Diablo 4 campfire chat today. That's from July 29, if you missed it. Blizzard has also acknowledged uh, that the annoying barricades constructed by Sanctuary's habitants have become a pain point of the community. While it sounded like a fun development idea at first, the team is also working to solve other mount-related issues like overworld collision and controller bugs. Another small but meaningful change will be made to the mount countdown after climbing or descending sending an obstacle in the overworld. Right now, players will not be able to mount immediately after interacting with ladders, slopes, or other terrain obstacles. This will change in the upcoming mount update, according to one of Shelley's replies on Twitter. Someone named Adam wrote, next to make climbing or descending a ladder reset the mount CD cooldown. It makes sense for it to have one after fighting or using the dismount attack, but to dismount just to ascend a ladder and then have to stand on top of it for 10 seconds to remount is oof and joe shelley says you got it so they are listening to people overall icy veins has an article from staff titled patch 1.1.1 highlights the important stuff so here's the stuff um update it seems the patch notes forgot the three nightmare dungeon apexes that are being removed backstabber resource drain and cold enchanted will be gone with the patch blizzard will update the notes soon it is linked to Blizzard, but I'm not sure. There's a source to the URL, but it just keeps pushing me back to Icy Veins, so I'm just going to read what's here, um, or at least explain a little bit of it. So there's definitely some things changed with the Barbarian, a few, uh, quite a few of the... Um, wow. Like, a lot of things have changed. And it's like this for every class, it seems. So just go in here and look, and it's all in a row. And it's like, to read it off is going to take up way too much time. It looks like Fury has increased from 11 to 13, so that's good. Flay, same, moved up. Um, enhanced Frenzy, 2 to 3. You know, just little bitty things with the Barbarian. The, uh, what's after that? The Rogue has some stuff going on. 
So uh, a lot of this has to do with like invigorating strike, forceful arrow, enhanced caltrops, poison trap, supreme rain of arrows, which I love personally, um, and stuff like that. And there's more. It's every class is in here. They've all got some different things going on. So I highly recommend you check this out in the show notes if you want to see what's going on with your class or your favorite class. Some of us are playing more than one class. There's also some bug fixes. They fixed an issue where progression in the seaside descent dungeon could be blocked when the butcher or a treasure goblin spawned behind the barrier. Well, that's a funny problem to have, you know? <laughs> okay. Fixed an issue where the determination malignant power wouldn't function against the resource burn Aphex for nightmare dungeons. I think we're talking about the seasonal stuff right now. Uh, fixed an issue where the resource research burn Aphex for nightmare dungeons was applying from close enemies and not just distant enemies. Critters, non-combative creatures in nightmare dungeons with the death pulse Aphex will no longer explode on death. This explosion was never dealing damage. Fixed an issue where animus carriers killed before the animus objective was triggered would not drop animus, blocking dungeon progression. That's pretty bad. Um, fixed an issue where the reset dungeon button often malfunctioned. Fixed an issue where keeper Zorlim's sometimes would not drop Garen's key in the Garen Hold Nightmare Dungeon. In general, fixed an issue where the speed increase from the spur skill while mounted was slower on controller than keyboard and mouse. Okay, now, I don't have a horse yet in the game. I'm trying real hard to get one. I started a new rogue. I'm at the point where I'm fighting... Brawl, I think it is, or is it Brawl? Brawl or something? The big dude, you know, at the end I'm trying that and I kind of screwed it up this morning, so I'll try again. But I don't have a horse yet because I can't get to it yet. I'll get there eventually. Uh, the rest of this little section. Fixed an issue where Paragon rare nodes would sometimes not provide bonuses with stat boosting gear. Fixed an issue where continuously enchanting an item could result in having the same stat show repeatedly in subsequent rerolls. Fixed an issue where post-death damaging effects ignored the damage reduction from stats of close or distant enemies. Fixed an issue where mounting your steed while moving would behave erratically when playing on console. So they get a fixed console, I guess. Maybe it's good I didn't get a steed right away, right? Monsters. Fixed an issue where elite enemies with the teleporter Aphex could teleport from off-screen and deal excessive damage. <laughs> okay. Uh, fixed an issue where tusked charger enemies could still damage the player after dying. So you killed that thing, but it's hurting you anyway. That's just bizarre. Uh, fixed an issue where the Majub monster was more difficult to defeat than intended. Okay, that's a good fix. Quests. Fix an issue where progression could be blocked during the reject the mother quest if the player left the game and came back. <laughs> okay. Fix an issue where quest objectives could be missed while mounted during the desperate remedies quest. Fix an issue where the fury against fate quest could have its progression blocked. Fix an issue where the gore soaked barricade could become indestructible after exiting and returning to the cellar during the fury against fate quest. Fix an issue where players could repeatedly fight Varshan using during the final seasonal quest by re setting the dungeon where he spawns. Yeah, they didn't want that to be a thing you could redo over and over again, is what I'm understanding. Season of the Malignant fixed an issue where the Dark Dance Malignant power could behave as if the player was damaging themselves, which could apply other effects that occur when the player deals damage. Fixed an issue where the Invoker of Varshan recipe could be lost. For any player that lost the recipe, it can be acquired from any Malignant kill after the seasonal quest line has been completed. Fixed an issue where the Barber Malignant power
power would absorb damage from all other players and not just the player with it equipped. Fixed, that's, that's kind of a mess. Fixed an issue where the urn of bargaining season blessing was increasing the enchant cost for items. Fixed an issue where the dark dance malignant heart could kill the player. It will no longer consume the life of the player and does not have enough if the player doesn't have enough life to pay. There's a lot more in here. Um, let's see. Fixed an issue where the bloody liquid steed was not always rewarded after defeating Echo of Lilith. And then there's more stuff in there too. I'm glad they're working on it. It sounds like they need it. Over on Max Roll, we have a thing posted by Facefoot. Diablo 4 patch 1.1.1 is live. Tier lists, build guide, updates, and what's coming. This was updated on August 9th, just a couple days ago. So here's what we have. It's kind of in little groupings, so you can kind of see what you want to see and just go right to that. So the first one is uh, Season 1 Malignant. Diablo 4 patch 1.1.1 is live, and we have made several updates to our tier lists and build guides in preparation. This patch brings a lot of buffs to all classes with an emphasis on Barbarian and Sorcerer. Nightmare Dungeons have had their density and boss health increased, and many other quality of life improvements have been added. You can recap on the changes with our patch notes post here. There's a link to that. Below is a quick wrap up of the new content we have and the updates we've made. So the build tier, build guide tier lists, the following tier lists have been updated to include the new build guides as well as a few other builds that we have in our horizon. There have been many adjustments to these lists and we plan to keep moving things around as we learn more during patch point. 1.1.1. Uh, so there's a leveling tier list, a speed farming tier list, end game tier list, and nightmare dungeon push tier list if you want any of those. The nightmare dungeon tier lists compare the best and worst nightmare dungeons for solo experience farming and glyph leveling. Hotfix 3 the other week adjusted the difficulty of the nightmare dungeon significantly while patch 1.1.1 brings improved monster density and increased boss health. Now that the patch is out, we'll be further testing these nightmare dungeons to see if there are any outliers. Remember you should run the majority of the nightmare you obtain and only salvage ones in the bottom tiers of these tier lists. New end game build tier. So they've got a flurry rapid fire rogue. They have a frozen orb sorcerer. Um, that's the ones that they're talking about right now. Coming soon, a bunch of other guides that they'd like to do as well. There is a guide updated today on the 11th uh, by, it just says Max Roll. So it is the double swing barbarian end game guide. And it's got all of like, it shows you the barbarian. It shows you the stats that you need, uh, the skills that you need, I guess, specifically. And you can, most of you that have played D4 know that you can take like an item and have the blacksmith like, you know, put all the little dots in the bottom of it, however many they need. So uh, you could, you know, you could do that. Um, it's got info about the season that's going on right now, all the skills you should use. There's a video here if you like to watch videos to see how it goes. There's a Paragon board thing going on. A lot of information. So if the Barbarian is your thing, then that's the thing to look at. I would probably go through this if I ever get into a season. I might just do a Barbarian. I don't know. Icy Veins has a thing written by Starum or S-T-A-R-Y-M and it's called Lights Out How to Solve the Brazier Slash Torch Cellar Puzzle written on August or posted on August 7th. Um, it's a weird little puzzle. You go in a dungeon and I'll just read you a little bit. It's time to finish the possibly rarest one in the event puzzle ch chest trilogy. We've already taken a look at the Mutterlock chests and rune puzzle cellar so you can skim through icy veins to find those. And now it's time the torch cellar met its match. To be perfectly honest, I wasn't even aware this one existed before some googling on the other two. As far as we've seen, this particular cellar has been annoying a lot of D4 players and there is a lot of negativity out there regarding the difficulty of this 
this puzzle. So there's a screenshot here, and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight torches that are just lit, okay? We will offer three types of solutions depending on what kind of player you are as we don't want to spoil your potential fun. So if you just want the too long didn't read answer, head to the end of the article. So here's how this works. For those who like puzzles, the rules. If you want to solve this on your own, here are the rules. The puzzle is basically a variation of the Lights Out console game released back in 1995. You have a 3x3 three three field and some of the braziers are burning while others are dark. The goal is to light them all up. The catch is that when you toggle the state of a brazier on to off or off to on, it also affects the adjacent brazier vertically and horizontally a diagonal brazier will be unaffected and changes their state so that's it go click some stuff and have fun for those who want to try but need a tip there's uh, stuff in here I'm not going to spoil it for you there's a video in here on how to do it for those who just want to get it done quick there's a thing you can check out and there's a reward it was spoiled at the top of the article so you already know but just like the other two puzzles it's a radiant chest um, and there's a little bit more from that, but it's a way to help you if you don't know how to do this particular puzzle and you want to give it a try. Uh, over on the U.S. forums for Blizzard on Diablo 4, we have someone talking about the Druidic Spirit Offering. This person is named Bashbro. He says, my quest item stash area is 100% full of Druidic Spirit Offering. I am in the middle of the quest line, Druid Druid." colon spirits of the lost grove the task is pick up the skull of the spirit lord i can't drop any of the quest items so i can't pick up the skull how can i fix this so my character can progress to the next chapter of quest line directions to reproduce input 4000 druidic spirit offerings in your quest inventory bag then progress through the quest line you will get stuck pez radar responded 10 days later from that one Bumping this to note that we know there are a very small subset of players who have fallen into a state where they cannot start slash finish certain quests. This is one of those instances. The team has a fix coming, but it will be in 1.1.3. I know that may sound a bit far away, but it should be in the coming full few weeks. Just wanted to note this to players who are experiencing this issue with some quests. So if that's you, that's what's going on. We also have in another Diablo 4 forum a PSA for people completing the seasonal journey and quitting until season two. Someone named Willfire, who has an Anarius symbol chosen for their icon, be advised that there is a secret feat of strength achievement called Corman's Staunchest Ally that you can get for completing all of the seasonal objectives. That's right, not just the required 80% to progress towards the next step, but all of them. You can go back and complete them even after having completed the last step. The reward is the title Corman's Friend. Y'all probably want to get it seeing as it will be going away at the end of the season. Uber Lilith and NM100 boosts are sold super cheap on the official partnered D4 Discord. That part I don't know that I like. I'm not sure you're allowed to do that, but you know, take your chances, I suppose. And then of course there's people grumpy about that because there always will be grumpy people on forums. That's how it goes. And I'm going to end this with Wowhead again uh, with a post from Jez Azteroth and, or Artraz, Artraz? I'm trying. Uh, Art Blast Spotlight, Rob Sevilla, Diablo 4 concept art. So here's a little bit. It's from the Art Station magazine that I pulled in before. And they have published an Art Blast specifically on this particular person, Rob Sevilla, principal concept artist for Diablo 4. And it, there's some cool stuff in here. Like, um, if you've gotten to the point where you fought uh, Astaroth, right? There's 
a drawing of him and these wolves with like three heads, but the one that I fought recently had like five. Um, so, okay. He made the fallen lunatics that blow up. A bunch of other stuff. Some of this I don't even know what they are. And then there's that tree with all of the um, heads on it and a crow or two and some candles. There's the uh, a concept for a bridge that has some Anarius symbols being held up by shrouded figures and everything's in snow. And then there's a Thing that looks like hell. <laughs> um, it's pretty neat. You can check it all out on Art Blast, the Art Blast on the Art Station if you want to go there. There's a link in this article to that, so I'll let you go there on your own. And that is going to be where I end the show. You have been listening to episode 423 of the Shattered Soul Stone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter at Shattered Stone, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening. <laughs>